Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We all want to have connected, happy, and fulfilling relationships with the important people in our lives. The problem is that we often feel frustrated, resentful, and annoyed with those very same people. So how do we get from irritated to connected? Well, today I'm teaching you the six habits to make all your relationships successful. So stay tuned. I'm Dr. Abby Medcalf, and I'm a practicing psychologist, number one Amazon bestselling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven with over 35 years of experience helping people just like you. Join me as I teach you actionable tips and strategies to create connection, joy, and ease in all your relationships. So let's get to it. Good to have you back. I'm Dr. Abby Metcalf, and this is the Relationships Made Easy podcast, brought to you by me. If you haven't noticed yet, there we're in our just ending our fifth season soon, and there's no commercials. That's right. You you don't have to sit through sponsored ads and all that crap. Um, and maybe one day you will. I don't know. But right now, I sponsor that. You know, for years now, I've been sponsoring it, meaning that I pay for it to be put together and do all the things. Uh, as you know, that cause, cause I'm that kind of fabulous soul, uh, mostly because when, and I don't, you, I got a secret. I don't listen to other podcasts. <laughs> I've never been a podcast person. When, uh, the, my coach at the time suggested I do a podcast, I looked at her like she was insane, you know, years ago. I thought, I don't even know what they are. Um, I shouldn't say I never, I rarely listen to podcasts. I, I'm, I'm I'm a reader. Like I love to read books, as you know, because I'm always talking about the books, you know, and the research and all that. That's my jam. Um, so I'm very glad you're a listener or a watcher if you're watching me on um, YouTube. But hey, just a little bit of Abby Lore. Anyway, and so if you want to help support the podcast, if you feel like you get a lot of value 
from being here with me, then I would appreciate if you, you know, you could buy a mug on the website or a notebook to journal, or you could buy my book or one of the classes I offer, any of those things um, that are listed on the shop page on the website and uh, abbymedcalf.com. But you could also, if you feel like you don't have any money, but you still want to, you know, give back, then rate it on rate me on spotify leave a review on apple uh you know apple podcasts um subscribe and like the videos on youtube follow me on social media there's many ways for you to give back and um and if you feel like you just if you're so depressed in your home and this is the only voice that really helps you then you just keep doing that and we're we're good we're good uh this is not a transactional relationship meaning that you do not have to pay for me to love you. I just love you. And, and that's that. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it can be, it's a reciprocal. So at the very least you should be praying for me or, or putting out good vibes. Um, you know, I'll take them, uh, because it's a reciprocal relationship and I don't want you to ever feel like you're, you don't have anything to give. Of course you always have something to give. Sometimes that's money, but sometimes it's, you know, it's your time and sometimes it's just your intention. Um, you always have something to give. You're a worthy human in the world. And when we're just consuming something and we don't feel like we're, you know, part of something, um, it doesn't feel good. So I want you to feel part of. So again, if that's just a prayer or um, I shouldn't say just, if that's a prayer or an in, a loving intention you send my way, some of you have sent me really beautiful emails or DMs and other things. I, I appreciate them all. It means a lot. So. Um, there you go. That's my my little thing. And uh, this today's episode uh, was something that um, I did an interview on the Frey podcast, which is excellent if you haven't listened to it. F R A E. Um, Kylie's amazing and just has great guests on, of course, because I was there. Uh, and this is something that she kind of asked for. And I thought, oh, I should do a podcast episode myself. If you do listen to that episode, those episodes that I'm on, they are slightly different than what I'm going to give you today. Um, I always like to change it up a little, see, but it's nice to hear some things repeated and to get them into our little heads, right? To really get us to understand that we have to do them. Repetition is king. So let's do it. Let's get in there. Um, let's get to number one. So the first thing for successful relationships, this habit, and, and again, this is all relationships. So you might be thinking of your love relationships. You might be thinking of work. You might be thinking of, I don't even know what, I'm about to blow my nose. And then we're not editing it out. So there. <laughs> okay, moving on. I don't care what kind of relationship you're looking at, work, your mom, your siblings, your friends, these are the habits for all those kinds of relationships, every kind. So sometimes I'll talk about um, romance and sometimes I'll talk about other things during this broadcast, but I want you to remember that I'm talking about everything. Okay, so let's get to it. So number one is giving your undivided attention. I want that to sink in for a minute. That is, it, again, if you do nothing else, do that. Give your undivided attention in moments when you are speaking to people. It's especially challenging, right, in today's world to focus our attention fully 
on one thing at a time. It really, really is. I get it, but it is the most important skill you can master. And people, many researchers and, and, and authors, including Adam Grant and others, have said that this is the most important, Nick Carr, have said that this is the most important skill for the 21st century. How do you like that? Managing your attention. I did a podcast way back on it's not a time management problem. It's attention. It's an intention. It's an attention management problem. Um, and I will link to that in the show notes because I think that was in season one or maybe two. Uh, if you're having trouble with your time management, go take a listen or read the blog or whatever, but or search for it on the website. But what I'm talking about here is when someone is talking to you, giving them your undivided attention. It Nothing, nothing, did I say nothing? Nothing makes us feel more cared for, more seen, understood than someone giving us 100% of their attention in a moment. Attention is where it's it's where you're placing your mental focus. And I'm sure you've heard someone say where your attention goes, energy flows. And that is the truth of it. And that's because it's exactly what happens. When you place your awareness on something uh, specific, you're making it a priority in that moment. You're saying this is important. And so what you're saying to a person is you're important. If your partner asks you a question, put your damn phone down. Don't just hold it in your hand, having it right in front of you. Don't just look up from your computer. Don't just look up from your phone. Put it face down. I did a whole other episode on fubbing. If you haven't listened to that, you should. Um, I will also link to that in the show notes. Hold on, I'm writing myself a little note so that I make sure it's included in the show notes, abbymedcalf.com forward slash podcast show notes. And of course, there's always a corresponding blog post under the relationship tips and tools. So you can find all the links that I'm going to mention in those places. So if your partner asks you a question, we know that uh, people don't feel as seen and heard. I'm not going to get into all the research I talked about in the fubbing episode about technology, but people, people don't feel as connected. Just with a phone out on the table, they don't feel as connected. And can you imagine, I say this to my clients all the time when I'm you know, having a, a session with them. I'm like, right now, if I was talking to you and my phone was out, Right now, you're paying me, right, to have this time, one-on-one therapy, and I was just sitting with, first of all, with my phone in my hand while you were talking. Can you imagine? Don't you, wouldn't you be thinking, what the hell? Why is this, why is my therapist have their phone? Is something, they're waiting for a call? Is something important going to come in? Or if I even just had the phone out in front of me, like sitting on, you know, sitting right between the two of us, you know, on the, maybe there's a desk in between the two of us. And I had the phone or right on the arm of my chair. I just, even if it was face down, wouldn't you think, you you know, you would. Well, that is how people feel when you do this. It sucks. Don't, don't, don't do it. Put your fucking phone away. Like, oh my God, you'll be okay. And then answer them. If you're in the middle of tapping out something on your phone or looking at something, just say, oh, one second, one second, finish what you're doing, put your phone away, do not have it in your hand, put it face down somewhere and say, what were you saying? And I don't care if they were asking you what's for dinner, give them your full attention. If your coworker wants more information about a project, you know, you're working on together, don't answer them while you're finishing an email. How many people do this? <laughs> They're like typing away. I've seen it in offices, you know, start typing. And then somebody walks by and they're like, hey, do you have that piece? And you're, and you're still typing saying, yeah, let me think. No, just stop, turn, 
and talk to them. By the way, this is why you forget when someone asks you something because you, you know you didn't have your full attention wasn't on it. It's and especially as we get older, as I am, it's very easy to forget things. It's just again, it's it's polite, it's kind, it's warm, it's a connecting, it's all the things you want in all your relationships. If your child wants to spend time with you, your little kid, I can't tell you how many times, you know, I'm walking the dog or something at the playground and I'm looking and people are on their phones everywhere while their kids are playing. They are not playing with them, they're not interacting with them, they're on their phones. And I'm not saying you, if you're a bad parent, if you do that, I get it. There weren't phones around when my kids were little, so maybe I would have done it too, but guess what, I sat, some, now I often talk to other parents who were in the playground, I did that, or you know, I was taking care of the dog or something. I'm not saying I was fully engaged with my children every minute they were at a playground. That's the whole point of going to a playground, right? Like, so I could get like a little moment, but I see people pushing a stroller and they're on their phone. I see them walking their dog and they're on their phone. I see, it's like, really? Are you freaking kidding me? You can't put your phone away for a minute and enjoy the fresh air and just be connect, connect to yourself, connect to the earth, connect to to the to source, connect to your kids, to your dog. Your freaking dog deserves it too. Like put your phone away. You're so distracted. And it's become it becomes such a habit uh that it's you you're going to start and you probably already have it where you crave your phone. When you're away from it, you're sort of craving it. That's how powerful those little things are. They are little slot machines that you're carrying around. Again, I I went into this much more in the fubbing podcast. So I'm not going to do it right here, but techno and I did a technology podcast too. I'll link to that also and how to, you know, how technology is affecting you. So again, I'll link to all those. But giving someone or any, or even something, but a hundred percent of your focus in a moment is also the only way to practice mindfulness. And it's in those distracted moments. I've talked about this over and over. It's in those distracted moments of your day that you get into arguments, misunderstandings, and misalignment with other people. That's how that happens. So, you know, you're, I don't know, washing the dishes and you're you're thinking like, oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. And then your partner walks in and says, "Um, oh, hey, did you remember to, you know, call the electrician? And you snap on them. You're like, you know, I got a lot on my plate and there's so much I'm thinking because you were already future tripping and thinking all the things you didn't do, or maybe you were regretting something you did in the past, or maybe you were, uh, you know, washing the dishes and you were thinking about uh, the, the, person you should you think you should have been with because <laughs> you have better sex with them or something. I don't know. And you end up annoyed at your partner. So this is what we don't want to do. This is what we don't want to have happen. You want to be in those moments. If you haven't downloaded my mindfulness starter kit by now, I'm not exactly sure what you're waiting for. Uh, <laughs> it's time. It's free. Yeah. Um, but friggin' do it already. So that's number one. Give your undivided attention every, and just try it for a week. Try it for a week. I defy you to not feel better in your world. I defy you to not feel more connected. And you can email me and tell me I'm full of shit if it doesn't work. And I'm tell, I, I guarantee you it will. I guarantee it. You'll feel better. You're going to feel happier. You're going to feel more connected. And the people around you are going to respond in kind. That's what's going to happen if you just do that. That is the habit. That is the number one habit of a successful, any successful relationship you want to have every, anywhere is learning to really manage your attention and focus it 100% on the person who's speaking to you. I know. It's a thing. All right. Habit number two, 
is to focus on unconditional acceptance instead of just focus on unconditional acceptance, you know, and I'm going to say instead of unconditional love. When I meet with couples or family members, it's generally clear that there's love. There, there's often love. In fact, I would say they often unconditionally love one another. You know, that's there. And and I get it work, you know, you don't unconditionally love maybe some, that's why I was just focused on unconditional acceptance. I get that at work, you might not love anybody, but in the rest of your relationships that are close to you that you care about, you know, there, there's a lot of generally that you'll, you love this person. But what's getting in the way of feeling emotionally close, of feeling connected, of feeling understood is that the other per is that we don't unconditionally accept one another. That's what happens. We can know we're unconditionally loved all day long, but if we don't feel accepted, we don't feel loved or connected in the case of work. Uh, and when when we don't feel connected with someone like in a work environment, we we don't care that much about them. We don't need to get in, you know, their part of the project on that they have to work on on time. We're not feeling any urgency about what they find important because we don't care about them. They are not important to us. And that's a problem, right? So you're when you're not, practicing acceptance with people at work, they know it. They know they feel judged by you and they don't like you very much. And then you don't like them. And then here we go around the corner, right? Yeah. So, and you've experienced this, you know what I'm saying is true. You've experienced it yourself. There were times during your growing up years and maybe even now when you knew deep down that your parents, you know, that they loved you, but you were feeling misunderstood and alone, right? I, that's right. You knew your brother loved you or your sibling or your aunt, but you didn't feel good around them. You didn't feel connected in the way you'd like to with them. You felt judged or something else. It's because you didn't feel accepted. And when we don't feel that, the love really means nothing. You, so intellectually, you know, the love is there, right? <clears throat> but you weren't feeling it on, a, you know, intellectual level is one thing, but feeling it on a heart level is another. So you left feeling, really you're left feeling kind of with these negative feelings. You're left with these negative feelings. So I want you to really think about that. How do we accept people but still want things to improve and change? That's the only way they improve and change, let me just say that, long-term, not short-term, but long-term, is when we are really, um, when we're really accepting fully who they are as people now, and then, yeah, maybe wanting it to be better later. So, I would, you know, in the case of your partner, I don't want you to love your partner despite certain things. I want you to love them because of those particular things. I want you to work on embracing the things that sometimes bug you instead of, I don't want you to put up with them. I want you to embrace. I want you to accept. That's different. Accepting things is different than putting up with them or dealing with them or loving someone despite or liking someone despite. Um, you know, you got to accept the whole package. I've shared before, you know, I have a lot of this energy that you're experiencing on the podcast week to week. I am like this all the time. I know, so annoying. So sometimes all that energy is really great, right? If, you know, if we have to get a project done at home, if, um, you know, I'm cooking great meals for my family. I love to cook, but you know, I, I'm, I'm not too tired to cook. I, I really enjoy it. You know, I'm cleaning up after my kids sometimes when I probably shouldn't, they should be doing it, but I, I've got this energy. I make my bed every day, you know, whatever, right? I, I've got this energy. 
And a lot, you know, so Gary can, or my kids can often be like, oh, I love it. You know, she's doing stuff. She's getting shit done. Like how great. And then other times when I have all this energy, it can feel like a little much on the other side, right? It can feel like a lot of stuff coming at you where, you know, um, and I've had to have these conversations with people I love where my kids sometimes are like, just chill, mom, you know? And I'm like, you don't get to say that to me. Like, you really just don't. You know, this is it. Now, I'm not saying you can't, like, because that's judgmental. You, What you could say, what they've learned to say is, mom, I love you so much. I love all your energy. <laughs> and right now I'm, I'm really burnt. Is it like, I just, I, I kind of need a moment or I, you know, I need to go in my room and be alone. And I'm all for it because they're talking about themselves, not me. I don't need to change. I'm not a problem. They just need something different in a moment. And I'm happy to be there with them in that moment of allowing them space. Do you see the difference there? <clears throat> but we do this with other people. We, we're like, oh, Jane at work is, you know, such a whatever. And Jane can be however she wants. It's up to you whether you let that affect you or not. But you're blaming Jane. And, you know, this is Jane. I, I think the place I see it come up a lot with um, in work and with couples, actually, I think with everybody, is in how people process things. So I'm a very quick processor. I'm like, boom, boom, boom. I, I get an idea. I, I go with it. I, I, I'm, I'm of, the, of the school of ready, fire, aim right? <laughs> I, I fire first and then I'm aiming later and I'm looking. A lot of people, of course, are, you know, ready, aim, fire, and they're aiming for a long time. You know, they're processing, they're processors. They need to think about things. They need to mull them over. My, um, my wonderful uh, bestie, Rhonda, who I talk about a lot in the podcast, she is, we're very different that way. When we're going on vacations or doing anything together, I know she's going to go research for a while and come back to me. And I'm cool. Like we've learned over decades of a friendship. And not only am I cool, I love it about her. I think it's great. And we end up in really cool trips together. We end up doing really weird, fun things because she really thinks. Now, yeah, sometimes when she's making a decision, she gets very anxious, she gets very caught up, she gets caught in analysis paralysis. And I don't want that to bug me. You know, I don't want anything about her to bug me. So I'll stop and, you know, I can usually notice my, it usually shows up as impatience or frustration on my end. <clears throat> and I just, I, you know, I, this is where the mindfulness comes in, but I work on stopping myself and asking her questions. How are you doing right now? How are you feeling? Tell me more about this anxiety you're feeling. What's the worst thing that you think could happen? What's the best thing you think could happen? Um, you know, I don't just like give her advice. That's not helpful. But we we talk. We we I go there with her because I accept her wholly for who she is. And yeah, I love it when she processes and takes a long time to make decisions when she's planning a great trip for us because she finds the she doesn't just jump on the you know me. I'd look at two hotels. I'd, I'd say, oh, that's the best, and that would be it. She looks at 20 hotels, you know, puts out a spreadsheet or something on all the pros and cons, and then, not that bad, but, and or not that much. See, I called it bad. It's not bad. Not that much. But then makes her a choice. And we end up with, again, really cool things that we do and places we visit. And so I can't say, oh, I love it when you do it here, but I don't love when you do it here. That's, that's, that's messed up. That's not, that's not friendship. That's not how you do it. So you don't get to pick and choose. You don't get to cherry pick in your, any relationships at work, even, you know, Jane at work, who's driving you crazy. Sometimes think about what drives you crazy. What is that? If, even if it's a, 
maybe someone who really leans toward the negative and is always finding the negative, first of all, you got to say something, right? I'm not saying you don't say things, but it's not her fault if you that, you know, people will say, well, James in a bad mood and it really makes everything bad. And then I'm in a bad mood. You, no, no. Grow up, put on your big girl pants, your big boy pants. That's fucking bullshit. It makes me crazy, that kind of talk. Why is it that a bad mood becomes predominant? Why doesn't your good mood be the, the predominant emotion? Why don't you have people calibrate to you instead of you calibrating to them? And then you blame them that you didn't keep your boundary and stay in a good mood? No, uh-uh, not, not acceptable. I don't care if it's your boss. I don't care who it is. If you're living your life that way, it's trouble. I'm giving you some Jewish mama love right now in a, a very real way. <clears throat> I need to take a sip of something. Hold on. So I really want you to think about that, right? You, you, you're not a victim in your life and you need to take charge of how these things go. Well, at the same time, if you were to speak to Jane at work, who's negative in an accepting tone, you know, like, can you tell me more about, like, are you, are you in a bad mood? Ask her. I don't know. Maybe she's not. Maybe this is just sort of her general way. I have asked people that like in a meeting where it seemed obvious I was pissing someone off. I've stopped and just said, um, hey, um, am I annoying you? <laughs> and they're like, what? What are you talking about? Usually no one, every now and then someone's honest and says a little bit. <laughs> we both laugh. I'm like, all right, let's, let's try again. But a lot of times people just lie, but what, and they'll just say, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I don't, sometimes they're not lying. They're just, they don't even, they're so unself-aware they don't realize it. But either way, it's just an opportunity to bring everyone to the moment to kind of reset, right? And which is a great thing. So my whole point here is that you've got to accept the whole package, not just the parts you deem okay. And again, whether it's your dad, your sister, your best friend, it's really it's really all about that. And and here's a little news flash for you. If you're feeling resentful, angry, irritated, or frustrated, you're not accepting something about another person in whatever that way is. And so again, I want to separate, I want to be clear that not accepting certain behaviors is different than not accepting the other person. I want to say that again not accepting certain behaviors. Like if someone hit you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell you like, well, you just have to accept them for who they are. That's of course insane. That behavior is unacceptable. That's where your boundaries come in. But in that same token, wow, I have to accept that this person is violent. And that means I need to figure out different ways of being around them. If you're just sitting there like, oh, they only did it the one time and uh, they didn't mean it and you know they'd never do that again. If that's what you're telling yourself when someone hits you, that's a problem. That you're not accepting what's real. You're not accepting this person. You're not really seeing the situation. You are thinking of potential. You're in denial, you're in whatever. So when we truly accept other people, we actually are working on loving detachment. And so there's been people in my life that I've loved, but I can't have around me um, for whatever reason. And I've made those boundaries. It doesn't mean I don't love them. It doesn't mean I don't care for them and what happens to them. It doesn't mean you know that I always cut them off. Sometimes I just try to find ways that we can interact where there's safety for me. Uh, 
but I'm accepting like this is the situation and and this is the person. And it's not like I don't hope that they don't that things don't change for what I would consider the better, but that's my judgment on what's better for them. A lot of it is us deciding what's better for another person. And you know, we don't get to do that. So if you don't like the fact that your partner is someone who likes to, you know, process longer than you do, that's a problem. The fact that your partner takes longer than you to process is something I do need you to embrace because it's about honoring the kind of person your partner is, right? Do you see this? However, if your partner takes so long to process that they avoid making decisions with you altogether, that's a behavior I don't, you don't need to accept. This is where I want, again, where I want you to hold a boundary. In this instance, you might, um, you know, you might say something like, I, I know you like to process your decisions longer than I do, and I want to honor that. But I also want to ensure that a decision is made. This is not when you go, because you know, you didn't do this and you didn't decide on that. And you never, no, 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 no. Just, just right here, right now. We're, we're not in the past. We're in the, we're in the present. So I also want to ensure that a decision is made. How much time do you think you'll need to feel like you've thought well on this? Right? See that? And then if they say, well, I don't really know. And you're like, well, I, I kind of need to know. Or you need to say, well, I need us to make a decision. Uh, in two weeks. You know, I, I don't know what the decision could be, but you can say, I, I need a decision in two weeks. If you don't have one by then, I'm going to move forward with what I want. And when you do that, when you give people a time limit, and and again, it should be a fair time limit. I, you can't say like in, in, in half an hour uh, with most things, that's not going to do it. But if it's a week, if it's 10 days, if it's two days, if it's really urgent, at least a day. Um, and then, you know, but you can also ask them, can I help you make this decision? Is there anything I can anything I can do to make this easier? Is there are there any questions that would help you brainstorm? You know, you can be part of the solution instead of being uh, deciding it's a problem. It, so because you, your goal is to remain accepting of the person, not an unhealthy behavior. Okay. Do you see this? This is I know this is very nuanced, but this is the good stuff. It's so remember, it's not wrong to take more time processing a decision. And it's not wrong to take less time processing a decision. But not making decisions at all is unhealthy and a problem, right? So you want to focus on not judging or criticizing. And instead, you want to ask, you know what I always say, those collaborative questions, you know? So in this case, uh, you know, what I was already doing. Tell me, tell me more about your worries, what your worries are around whatever the thing is they haven't decided. Uh, what other information would you like to know to be able to make a confident decision? Um, is there any way I can support you in getting the information you need or in processing your thoughts? Do you see all this? Now we're a team. Now we're doing this together. And it's not a you problem. It's an us. Again, this isn't just for partners. This is for parents and coworkers and everybody. When others feel consistently judged or not accepted, they stop sharing. They stop taking risks in the relationship. They start to hide things and conceal. And then it's easy to become, you know, on different sides, me versus you. So you really, acceptance means you stop trying to change the other person. You can change the circumstances of a relationship without changing who they are, right? So, so criticizing, uh, picking on them, sarcasm, judgment, they're all part of resisting something and not embracing it. I know. I know. 
I know. Sit with that for a minute. Okay. Let's get to habit number three, which is really uh, related to two a little bit in as far as the answer. And that is a habit I think I think I put this in every single any top 10 list I have, any, you know, top five principles and top 10 things to do to communicate and any place I talk about any of this, I mention this idea of what I call sack. So the, the, the habit is to ask more than you state in all of your relationships. And if, so I've said it a thousand times, right? Don't sack your relationship, S-A-C. Don't offer suggestions, give advice, or criticize, S-A-C. Don't offer suggestions, give advice, or criticize. And this boils down to asking more questions as opposed to making statements to people. Your partner, coworker, best friend, doesn't need to know all your thoughts about a topic, especially when they haven't even asked you for your feedback, which happens a lot. We tend to offer advice, direction, and say things out loud without really thinking first. You gotta slow down and ask yourself, okay, why am I about to say this? What's my end game here? If you stop, stop to you know, really ask yourself those kind of questions, you'll likely not say about 50% of the things you're thinking or you're gonna say them differently. I'll tell you that right now. So if you're not offering suggestions, giving advice or criticizing, you want to instead ask collaborative questions, which I just mentioned the previous um, tip and the previous habit. And I have a list of collaborative questions to get you started that will be linked on the show notes page. So like, I got you. I have a whole list of collaborative questions. Um, if you're not sure what they all look like, even though I'm giving you lots of examples. so. And collaborative questions are open-ended questions. They're meant to brainstorm. They're meant to facilitate. They're meant to open up dialogue and connection. It is, they are curious questions. You are being curious. You want to know, tell me more about this. You know, what's one thing I could do right now to help us move this conversation forward? You know, again, all the questions I've been already saying, those are all collaborative questions. Again, I'll, I'll send you the list if you want it. What you're trying to do, you're not interrogating, you're not interrogating, you are curious. You don't have an end game in mind. You don't have a solution you're driving towards. People know that, they feel controlled and they don't like it and they resist. So instead, you're just thinking about, okay, wait, I have to resettle. Uh, you're thinking about, I really wanna understand how this person, this other person is thinking, how they got to this place. So I'm gonna be curious and ask questions to understand them. You're seeking to understand, not be understood. And this changes the game in such a dramatic way. Again, think of what happens when someone does it with you, when they truly come to you, when you got, you know, when you're in some sort of, I don't know, conversation, and whether that's an argument or a good conversation, and someone really stops and asks you, you know, oh, I didn't know you thought that way. Tell me more about that. Where's that, you know, in that curious, open way. And, you know, your tone obviously should match and all those things. And it feels so good when people speak to us that way. We feel like we're listened to, we're seen, we're getting 100% of their attention, intention. It's all coming at us and it feels really, really good. So, okay. Ask more than you state. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Tip number four, focus on what you do want. I have to tell you that the key to any successful relationship is to focus on what you do want, not what you don't want. You hearing me? <laughs> I'll often ask people what their goal is in, let's say, couples counseling. Okay. Again, I'm using partners, but this works in any relationship. I'm like, what's your goal? And they'll say something like, well, I don't want my partner to nag me so much. Um, I, you know, my partner never does what I ask, something like that. Some, something like that. And I always say, how are they supposed to nag you less? Is there like a certain amount of nagging that's a, that's appropriate? That's okay. And then do, should they count the number of times they nag you? What is a nag? You know, I you know, <laughs> it it's not a goal anyone can reach. So how would you keep track? I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> can nag once or twice a day? Like I, I don't know how that works. So your brain can't process in the negative in this way. So thinking about what you don't want means that's all you're thinking about and there's no real goal. If you don't want nagging, what do you want? And that's what I usually have to ask someone. And I have to tell you, most of the time people are stuck. I'm like, well, that not nagging you is not a goal people can have. So what is it that you do want? How do you, would you know they're not nagging you? What would you feel? What would be in the room? What, you know, how, what would you be talking about? What would you be doing? And that really stops people. They're like, well, well, we'd be really connected. There'd be a lot of, you know, empathy or compassion in the relationship. We'd be laughing more together. I'd feel appreciated. These are the things I hear. And so, yeah, so focus on those things. When you enter a situation with anyone and you're going to have, you know, and you're focused on compassion, empathy, connection, you're going to have a very different conversation with that person. If you go in focused on wanting to control them and have them not do certain things or have them do certain things, again, some sort of manipulation on your part. I know I use the word. I use manipulation on purpose. I know. Um, that's the definition. If you're trying to get someone else to do something, even if it's, you know, you're thinking, well, it's good. I want my dad to eat better because he's diabetic. You know, I'm just trying to help. Uh, -uh. your dad's a grown ass man. If he wants to eat crap, he'll eat crap. Like, I don't know what to tell you. It's not a good feeling. It doesn't feel fair. Um, but we're humans who are allowed to do what we do. And so, you know, you constantly berating your dad, you know, for what he eats or telling him, you know, sending him little helpful articles about the research or buying him a book or anything else. No. Instead, you were asking those questions from the last one, right? <laughs> You'd be just connecting with him. How you doing? How you feeling? Do you feel like you're how do you feel about your diabetes? You know, I've I've said a lot about it. I don't want to talk about it for myself anymore, but how do you feel about it? Where does it fit in your life? Um, 
do you ever notice anything negative from it? Or does it feel like it doesn't even affect you? Like, what, what is that to you? What's this diagnosis to you? You know, find out. There's probably, by the way, if they are in denial, this is the way to get them out, is to have them have an aha moment. You can't give anyone an aha moment, right? But so if I go in to speak to my dad and my focus is on connection and him feeling understood and me feeling like I could understand his thinking better, can you imagine that? I'm focused on what I do want. I'm focused on what I do want, but not in a way where I'm trying to control what the outcome is. So if you go and focused on, oh, well, what I do want is for him to listen to me. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. That's like trying to control their actions. I don't mean that. Focus on how you want to feel. Focus on what you want to, it's really about what you want to feel. You want to feel connection. You want to feel understood. You want to feel love. You want to feel ease. You want to feel patience. Those are the things you want to focus on. When you're focused on what you don't want, it, it's the only place your brain drives. It's like telling someone, don't think about a black bear. You know, you're going to think about a black bear. So if you want your mom to stop nagging you about getting married, I had this the other day with a client, steer conversations into what you do want to discuss, right? I And my client kept saying to her mom, mom, you know, I don't want to talk about marriage with you, da, 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 you know, and they would get into these arguments where, of course, her mother was like, well, I'm just seeing you're waiting too long. You'll never be able to have kids. And meanwhile, that's what my client is freaking out about, right? And it's just, you know, it's really putting a lot of pressure on. And so I had her interrupt her mom with, uh, you know, I told her, you have to take a beat and you have to find the love for your mom first. You know, your mom thinks she's helping you. And it's her own, her mom really wants grandkids and she's, you know, this is, she's an only child. So I said to her, you know, this is your mom too, with her wants and her needs driving towards something of, it's a little selfish too. It's not just about you. And anyway, so, but I said, you know, think about the fact that she does love you. And she thinks, you know, her, you gave her so much happiness. You give her so much happiness. She just wants you to have the same thing. And so she said something to her mom, like, you know, I love you, you know, just stop. She said she even grabbed her mom's hands and she looked her in the eye and said, when she was telling her, you need to get married, you know, she was on one of these things as they were uh, cleaning the kitchen after dinner. And, you know, she'd gone over there for dinner and, you know, she just stopped her mom. She said, mom, and she stopped and she grabbed her hands and she looked her in the eye and she said, I love you so much. And there are so many things I would love to talk to you about, but marriage or being single is not one of them. And that needs to be off the table. You need to stop talking to me about it. And then she was ready with something else. She brought up work. You, you know, she really is amazing at her job. And she had gotten a promotion a while ago, but she just brought it up again. Like, wow, you know, that promotion I got last year, I've been doing so much at work. I'm really excited about it. You know, she just start, just have another thing you want to talk about. I've shared this before. I have one of my brothers likes to talk about stuff like, like anti-vaxxing and stuff I do not um, agree with. And he just has a very firm stance about all that stuff. And I'm not going to change his mind. And he is certainly not going to change mine. And I always say to him, you know, I love you so much. There are so many things I'd rather talk to you about than this. And then, and then I'm like, oh my God, let me tell you how Max is doing in baseball because he loves baseball. You know, we have a, we're a baseball family. So, you know, I start talking about baseball. I just switched the subject. We don't have to sit there and spend hours processing it. 
So bring up that next thing, you know, steer the conversation where you want it to go. You know, you've been working out consistently for the last month or whatever. Focus on love, connection, and ease instead of frustration, frustration, resentment, or annoyance, right? Do your best to focus on what's right and not what's wrong in any relationship you're in. And it'll take you so far. I did a um I did a whole podcast on finding the bright spots, which is a lot of research about finding bright spots. That's a whole other thing. You can listen to it. I'll link to it. But, you know, and I talk a lot about how there's a negativity bias in our brain. So we're all, you know, we're really skewed towards looking at our relationships negatively to looking at our lives negatively. So focusing on these sort of bright spots, what's working, what, what does work, it actually gives you a more realistic view of any relationship you're in than just focusing on the negative where your brain is skewed to look. So in other words, you're already heavily focused in the negative. So focusing on the positive is only going to bring you into a more realistic central view of, of the situation. It's not going to make you all Pollyanna and all whatever. It's it's the opposite. It's just going to bring you to center. You're just way skewed to the side and you don't even realize it, right? So focus on strengths instead of weaknesses. I mean, anyway, I've, I've said enough. There you go. All right. Number five, you're going to love this, is stop complaining. This is a habit of successful relationships. <sighs> I've already talked about complaining. I did a whole episode. I think it's called Complaining. It's as bad for you as bacon or something. Again, I'll link to it in the show notes. But uh, <laughs> So I've already talked about complaining, why we do it, and how to stop it. But I want to give you a little reminder right here. Complaining, like any other activity, activates the neurons in the brain and trains them to remember the pattern. Every time you complain, you're teaching your brain to fire the same mental pattern, which creates neural pathways just for complaining. I know. So you have neural, when you complain about Ted at work, you are laying down neural pathways just to complain about Ted at work or how ungrateful your spouse is or how much you don't like your fat ass or whatever. Every time you do something or have a thought repeatedly, you're wiring your brain. That's what you're doing. You don't have a choice about this. This isn't, you can't willpower this out. What you do have a choice about is what you wire it for. I want you right now to make yourself a little oath, make yourself a, uh, I don't know, say it out loud, say it to me, whatever, that you are going to not, you're going to be uh, on an abstinence plan for complaining. (laughs) You're not going to complain for, try it for one week till you listen to the next podcast. Try for one week. Not one complaint. Not one. Not one. That means no judgment, no criticism. That's complaining. Gossiping is complaining. And again, we always complain about things we can change. That's the only things we choose to complain about. It's things we can change. If you're gossiping about somebody at work, it, you, could, you could change not hanging out with them. You could change and have a boundary. You could change and you could talk to them about how much they're driving you batty, whatever. But you don't. Instead, you just do this gossipy, complainy thing. Um, if you're complaining about your spouse never this or he, or they always that, you know, again, you're complaining. You're wiring for that. You're looking for that. That's all you're going to see. It is the most, I can't think of very, 
there's very few things that are as detrimental to your brain health and your physical health and your mental health as complaining. So stop it. Do something about it or shut up. I say with love. I say with love. I would never tell you to shut up, but you, you get where I'm going here. Like just just really. I, I can't imagine how you think you're going to have a great, healthy, fabulous life and you're complaining all the time about something. Just stop. It, you're complaining about your job because, you know, oh, and I'm trapped. I hear this all the time. I'm trapped. There's no other jobs. People are getting jobs. People are get are changing. Maybe you just have to change your job within your company. Maybe you don't have to blow it all up and leave. Maybe I don't know. Maybe you have to get a job and, and you're thinking, you can, I, but until you're trying and fig, and if it doesn't work, whatever you're doing, if you're going on Indeed and that's the only place you look for jobs, you know, that's a problem. Start networking, start doing informational interviews, start like there's a million things you can do. Think about training for a new career. Think, I mean, there are so many things to do, right? So many to get out of the complaining. And, and it's always about taking an action of some kind, no matter how small, even if you were just to put your resume together, even if you were just start to, I, I know what better, even if today, if you were complaining about work, if you started looking online for how to change your resume, how's that? Just researching it, just that step. You don't have to do the whole resume today or tomorrow. Just start to research about what, how a resume should look and what people are looking for these days. Just do that, that's it. How do you like that? I know. One small step. Okay. And then last, which <laughs> the last habit of right that I'm going to say, I mean, there's many habits, but the six I'm saying today, and this is the one people hate hearing. I know. I love you so much. I love you. I love you. But so that's why I have to tell you. Number six is you have to focus on yourself. Uh-huh. I know. You got to focus on what you're doing not what other people are doing or not doing. <laughs> for now on, from today forward, from this minute, whenever you start focusing on what your partner, uh, on, you know, what they are not doing, what your boss is or isn't doing, what your mom is or isn't doing, or whatever you're focusing on someone else, I don't care who it is, immediately stop and focus on what you're doing only. That's it. If you find yourself, if you're focused on, you know, some team member at work and what they're doing and comparing it to what you're doing, uh, and oh, the boss, they're a kiss ass and the boss likes them and it's not fair. And you, so you're complaining, you're focusing on the negative. You can see a lot of this is there. And this is really the antidote to all the things I've talked about is to stop and focus on yourself. Stop and focus on yourself. When you find yourself focusing on others, I want you to see it as that, you know, proverbial uh, canary in a coal mine. It's your wake up call to pay attention to yourself. You're trying to control what others are doing and you can only control what you are doing. Say it with me. I can only control what I'm doing. That's not, is that just for me? Because you know, I like to control everyone and everything, every moment. Yeah. I know it sucks. To hear that again and again from me. I get it. I get it. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. But trying to control others is a path to misery. It doesn't matter, again, if you think you're helping them. It doesn't matter if you think it's in their best interest and you're being fabulous. It does not matter. Stop it. The only people you can try to control to a degree are the safety of your children, right? The, or the safety if you have an elderly, like a really elderly parent, maybe they're not safe. Uh, living on their own or something. But even then, I got to tell you, I remember at the end with my mom, 
you know, she never she wanted to live in her own. Yeah, my dad had died years before, and she wanted to live in her little condo down in Florida. And I begged her years earlier to move closer to me because, uh, you know, my siblings are in New York and we're, or we're here in California. And she was down in Florida all alone. And I'm like, I w but she loved it there. She was in a retirement community. She had tons of friends. She had tons of activities. She had a lot of, you know, autonomy. She loved it there. She did not want to come live with me or anyone else. I begged. And it was to the point where, you know, I and my siblings, because I was sort of in charge of all her stuff and her money and all that. And my siblings were all over me, like, you gotta convince mom she needs to because she would, you know, she would hurt herself. Things would happen. She would fall, or, you know, um, you know, yes, we had the life alert thing for her, you know, but I just kept I, I kept talking to her about it. And she said, This is what I really want, please. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna do everything in my power to give, to let you end your life, you know, live the rest of your life in the way that you want, in, in, in control in that way. And so we did, we got our help in our home. We got, I said up until I'm like, I wasn't going to like mortgage my house to pay for help for her. That wasn't going to happen, but she was in Florida and it's pretty easy to get relatively inexpensive caregiving there. And so that's what we did. We had people coming in every day. We had eyes on the ground. You know, I called Jewish Family Services, like, you know, to come in. Like, that's what we did. I got a lot of people in, I got like a team together down in Florida. We went through a lot of rigmarole, you know, setting things up and, you know, all, anyway, doing all that. I did a lot of work actually to give, to, to set things up in a way that she could live the way she wanted. Because, and that's what I want for myself one day. I don't want my kids to just stick me somewhere <laughs> against my will. And I knew my kids were watching. But more importantly, it's because it's what she deserves. She's a human being. And if she she probably did, you know, die a little sooner, maybe. I don't know. Maybe she was, you know, 90. But uh, like maybe she would have lived a few more years had she been somewhere. I don't know. But she didn't want to live those years like that. She wanted to live them like she did. And she did. And so I feel good about it, but it's easy to get caught up in like, oh, we should, you know, and like my siblings were over and over. I can't, it probably happened once a month or so that they were telling me I had to force her into a home or something. I'm like, no, just, just not doing it. If you want to do it, go and try, <laughs> but I'm not. And so, you know, get clear. The only thing you can control are your reactions. Your reaction, my reactions to my siblings in those moments, my reactions to my mother as she was driving me crazy sometimes with her, her wants, your reactions to your partner, to your coworkers. You can only control your, you know, your thoughts about your coworker, your feelings about your dad. These are things you can control. Your reactions, your thoughts, and your feelings. Those are all within your control. And so that's the only place really your focus needs to be. I know. I know. Just sit with that for a minute. <laughs> That's it. So here's what I want you to do whenever you notice yourself focusing on another. <laughs> I want you to stop and ask yourself some questions. And well, first of all, again, you got to be mindful. That's the only way you'll notice that you're doing it. And I do, I would love for you to check in though and think, and as you notice that you're trying to control something, and I would do this over and over with my mom, I'll tell you that. I would check in. I'd say, what am I feeling right now? What am I feeling right now? I'm feeling scared. I'm feeling worried. Uh, 
what, you know, what thoughts or belief am I having right now that's making me feel this way? And some of that is that I thought I might feel, when I really sat with that, it was because one, I thought other people might judge how I was being a daughter. That was I being a shitty daughter, not forcing my mother into a home? Um, was I, did I just want her in a home so I didn't have to do all this work? Trust me, it was a lot more work having my mother live on her own than it, you know, I had to manage all these people. And it was a ton that I had to do to make sure she was okay. And you know, sometimes that would be there. And, you know, it's hard. Like, what are my thoughts? What, what will people, others think? Well, I feel guilty later. That was a biggie. Well, I feel guilty for putting in her home. Well, I feel guilty for not putting in her home. You know, I mean, and I don't want guilt to drive any of my actions. That sucks, right? Ugh, bleh, bleh. Uh, the other thing you can ask is what else could be true right now? You know, that's like kind of that better feeling thought I've talked about before. Um, what else could I think right now about what's going on? How do I want to feel in this relationship? That was a biggie for me. I would ask myself that when I was getting controlling with my mom, I would think, stop and go, what do I want to feel right now with this woman? How do I want to feel in my relationship with her? And the biggie for me is I wanted to feel peace and ease. I wanted to feel connected in whatever way we could. I've spoken before, my mom was a narcissist, like the real kind. And it was, it's hard, you know, that stuff's hard. And so, but I, I really wanted to feel not ease, like in how easy it was to take care of her, ease in hers and my relationship. And so I just kept sticking to, you know, what's, where's the love here? Like, where's the love? And how do I want to feel? And I felt best when I was, I felt really good, actually, letting her have the life she was saying she wanted to have. It made me feel good. And I, and I did say to her many times, I'm like, I'll do this as long as I can. If at some point I, it's just too much, I'm going to tell you and you're going to need to go in somewhere. And she was, she's, I mean, I don't know if she would have, but she said, I, I, I will. Like she, she said it in a very lucid way. I think she would have, if I had finally, I think, cause I think she would have known at that point. Um, Another thing I ask is what's one thing, again, it's like a collaborative question, what's one thing I could do or think to create this feeling I want in this relationship, right? And then do that one thing. <laughs> That's how I want you approaching any time that you're focused on another person. You stop and you focus on yourself. You stop and you ask yourself some questions. You stop and you really think about what your motives are and what's going on. That That's really where that's from. And to just notice, are you coming from love? Or are you coming from fear? That's always a, a place to, to know that you're on the right or wrong side of something, that you're on the healthy or unhealthy side of something, I think I should say. That's a better way to say that. Okay. Woo. That's it, my friends. I, I'm going to leave you with a quote I say all the time, which is that great relationships aren't built in a day. Great relationships are built daily. Having these habits is something that you focus on every single day. It's not the grand gestures in a relationship, whatever the relationship is. It's not the big whatever. It is every single day, the things you do and say, the things you think, the things you, how you act and react. It's every single day that you build any relationship. It is not the one thing. So keep that in mind as you're looking at these habits and saying, which ones can I employ? You know, how can I make all of these 
how can I integrate them into my philosophy and the way I approach um, life and relationships? <sighs> so thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I know you have a lot of places you could be. I love that you're here with me. You know how much I love this. Sorry about my cold today. I have a little allergies maybe. I just thought of that. Maybe I don't, I don't think I have allergies, but it's occurring to me. I don't really feel sick, but I'm, I sound a little sick. Um, this week, I would love for you just to remember that you are, you not only, that you're, a, you are love. You are loved by me and you are loved. That's, that's who we are in this earth. That is what we're about. And I don't want you to be afraid ever of anything that I'm teaching or talking about on the show. It is all meant for your greater good. I know after 40 years of this, that this is, you know, of, again, the research and the practice and the working with thousands of people, this is how people feel happy, connected, and great in their lives. This is how it happens. You build on the techniques, the ideas, et cetera, that I give you all the time. And I'm always working with people, so I'm always refining them and coming up hopefully with new for you. Um, but I want you to have a happy life. You deserve it. Okay. Have an amazing week. I love you so, so much. And I'll talk to you real soon. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything. You can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.